into last week, which is really cool. So a uh, few things for you. want to welcome you guys. There are some blue um, little connection cards. So if you're new with us, fill that out. Put it in the back. There's an offering plate in the back, actually a little box. Or you can do it online if you're tech savvy. I'm not tech savvy. Um, three announcements. First, we have a volunteer opportunity for you guys uh, at Operation Christmas Child, the Processing Center. So we're going to take 10 people on January the 29th from 9 until noon. So uh, we're going to prepare shoe boxes to be delivered before um, the, to send the kids around the world. And so if you're interested in that, uh, reach out to either Heather Henry or uh, Becky Coleman today or tomorrow at the latest uh, to let them know you'd like to go. Uh, second thing is we're planning a missions trip to Honduras. Who's been to Honduras yet? Yeah? It's a great opportunity. Um, what, a, what, a, what an awesome time. So we're planning one with Children's Impact Network. Uh, we're, we were going to have an interest meeting today, but we're still waiting on a little more information from CIN, so we're going to reschedule that soon, so be on the lookout for that, for an interest meeting. Uh, the last thing is students. Uh, we're, meet, we're back together tonight. We're starting a new series called Key Relationships, and it's not what you think. Um, you've got relationships in your family, mom and dad, siblings. You've got relationships on the soccer field. You've got relationships at dance. You've got relationships at school, your neighborhood. So what does it look like to have healthy relationships? So we're going to kick that off tonight. It's a 12-week series. So join us. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And also, a few other things. We've rescheduled the vision night with parents. That's going to be on February the 6th. And then we've got a Super Bowl party the next week on the 13th. So we've got a few events coming up with the students. And as our student ministry grows, there are opportunities for we're adding to our team. And so if you love students and work with them, we'd love to talk to you. Reach out to myself or some other student leaders. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. So that's it. Pass it off to James. Thanks, Phil. Phil just called me weak. Uh, at, at this time, I would like, he really did. He's like, you can't do this yourself? Uh, at this time, I would like to dismiss our kids to CP Kids. Uh, you're going to be walking outside. So listen, kids, listen, stop, 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 kids. If you have hats, gloves, coats, please wear them. My boys, when, it, when it's below freezing, they take off their shirts and run outside. So like, dress warm. It's cold out there. It's not going to work. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's good to see everyone this morning. Thanks for braving the cold temperatures and the ice and the snow and all that fun stuff. Uh, I just want to go on record. A number of people have asked, uh, yes, I'm from Michigan, and yes, I still get cold. And so when I comment, hey, it's cold today, and people go, I thought you were from Michigan. It doesn't work that way. When it's cold, it's cold, and it's cold, okay? Great. All right, kids, goodbye. Scoot, we're going to talk about you. Leave. Goodbye. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but sometimes when I, I read the Bible, um, I think to myself, like, what in the world is going on? I, I say that as a, as a pastor. I went to school for this. Uh, I, I know it's good for me. I believe that... Uh, this is God's Word. It's from God. I believe that it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in all righteousness, as Paul says. And yet there are times when I read the Bible and it seems uh, obscure to me. 
It's difficult to understand, and it's challenging for me to connect what I'm reading with everyday life. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before, uh, but I have that even now. The other week, I was reading 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings in my, in my Bible reading. And to be quite honest with you, I read a bunch of names that I don't remember, uh, the ones that I do remember, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce. Uh, and I found myself, after I was done reading, thinking to myself, what did I just read and why did I read it? Right? There, are, there are times when that happens when we open up God's Word. And then there are times when we have the exact opposite experience. When we read something and we think to ourselves, like, oh, <laughs> This applies to my life today. Like I, I know someone who is wrestling through this very thing, or I'm wrestling through this very thing. There are other times when we open up uh, God's Word and what we read isn't some history lesson or some big theological idea that people in seminary debate about. Right? It impacts and affects our life today. Right, what we're going to read together this morning is one of those passages. Like we're going to read it and we're going to go, oh. <laughs> like I, I know people who are experiencing this, are wrestling through this, are struggling through it, and I want to know what God's Word says about it. This morning we're going to talk about marriage, and divorce, and remarriage. Um, those topics have impacted all all of us. They have not impacted all of us the same, uh, but they have impacted all of us. Maybe you're here this morning and quite honestly, even though you wouldn't advertise it and stand up and share it, uh, you are struggling in your marriage. A marriage for you is hard and it is difficult and you are thinking to yourself, it might just be easier if we were not together. You might feel that this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've experienced the sting of divorce. Maybe that divorce happened a year ago. Maybe it happened 30 years ago. But it feels like it happened recently. Right? So even the mere mention of divorce and remarriage, and you get a little unsettled. You feel that in the pit of your stomach. Maybe you're here this morning and you've gone through a divorce and you've, be, you've been remarried and you're thinking to yourself like, uh-oh, like, what is he going to say? There's part of you that's thinking like this is Root Canal Sunday and you're going, I don't know if I want to hear this. And I understand that. And so before we open up God's Word and look at this passage on divorce and remarriage from the Sermon on uh, the Mount, I want to I preface what I want to say by, by just sharing three thoughts, and then I want us to pray uh, together. Um, number one, I want you to know that I really do care about your specific situation. And this morning, we have lots of situations. Lots of them. Right? If you were to do a survey this morning and ask for everyone's experience and, and background 
and, and marriage life and divorce and remarriage. Like you would hear a hundred different stories from a hundred different people. And I want you to know I care about your story and your situation. This isn't just a theological idea or concept for me this morning, and I know it's not for you. And so I care about uh, your situation. Secondly, um, I care about what God's Word teaches us about this topic. I want to be faithful to God's Word. I want God's Word, His Word to us, to drive us in what we believe even more so than our personal experiences or desires. Right? I want us to hold up the Word of God and I want us as a people to come underneath His Word. Right? I want us to do this not just with divorce and remarriage, but I want us to do this as the people of God with everything in life. With everything in life. Right? God's Word speaks to life, to our life, to my life and to your life. And so the question becomes for all of us, this is like an everyday thing, Am I going to bring myself under the authority of God's word or am I going to look at it and kind of go like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> we're, we're always faced with these decisions. And so I want us, I want me to be faithful uh, to his word this morning. Uh, third, lastly, uh, I know uh, that we're not all going to agree. I know that we're not all going to agree. There are people who know and love the Lord, who, who do not and will not see uh, the text the same way that I do. And there are people that know and love the Lord who do not see the text of the same way that you do. And I want you to know that that's okay. When I say it's okay, I don't mean that it's unimportant or it doesn't matter what we believe or it doesn't matter how we read the text. I don't believe that. It really does. What I my mean by that is neighborhoods in heaven will not be separated by your position on divorce and remarriage. You're not going to be driving by one neighborhood in a gated community and go like, who are those people? Like, oh, those were the people that never got divorced. They didn't believe in it. Like, who are those people? Like, it doesn't work that way. Right? So you may... 25, 30 minutes from now, be walking out those barn doors, thinking to yourself, number one, man, it was cold in there. I mean, I can't feel my feet. Like, this isn't easy. And, and number two, I don't know if I read the text the same way that he does. Right? And that's, and that's okay. Right? So with that rather lengthy introduction, uh, I want you to pray uh, with me. So would you please uh, bow your head and we'll pray together. And just take a minute and you, you pray for you. Uh, you know you and your situation even better than I do. You know, you, you know what you bring to the table this morning. You know your past and your experiences. And, and so just pray that God would meet you where you are right now. And if you could be so kind, would you pray for me that I'd be faithful and true to God's word, that I would 
be clear and in what I say and that I would be helpful uh, to you, to the people here and the people watching uh, at home. Lord, thanks so much for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you that you, you speak to things that we really do care about. You speak to things that we wrestle with and that matter to us. Thanks for, for not being silent. Lord, I pray for us that you would uh, give us receptive hearts. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, your word. Uh, challenge us this morning. Uh, confront us if we need to be confronted. Uh, comfort us if we need to be comforted. Uh, reveal yourself to us. Lord, guide and direct my words. I pray that uh, you would use this time to point all of us to you. God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, beginning in verse 31, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 31. This passage is found in the Sermon on the Mount. The sermon was delivered by Jesus uh, to his disciples, to followers, to the crowds who uh, had gathered. The Sermon on the Mount is all about the kingdom of God and what does the kingdom of God look like. In other words, what does it look like uh, to live for God on this earth uh, as, as God, as your king? Your, your ruler, um, who guides and directs you. It's painting a picture of what does it look like for men and women, boys and girls, to follow after and chase after uh, Jesus in a world that uh, doesn't always see things the way that we do. And so Jesus, uh, after speaking to the issue of lust, uh, continues the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.31 and says these words, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You'll notice that Jesus begins this passage with a familiar phrase. He, he, he said, it was also said, or in other places on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, you have heard it said. There's six times in the sermon when Jesus begins his teachings with this saying. Uh, what he is doing is he's reminding the people, in many cases, what they already know, and he's not necessarily trying to correct what they've heard, but he's, he's building upon teaching that was familiar during the day. He's clarifying it, and he's getting to the heart of the issue. Jesus cares about the human heart. And so he's taking a teaching that was familiar, that was known for the people, and he wants to get to the heart of the matter. And that's what uh, he is doing uh, here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 uh, through 32. And so Jesus is teaching about a divorce in remarriage. Let me read the text again. Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman uh, commits adultery. Whenever uh, you're reading Scripture and you come to a text and it leaves you maybe scratching your head a little bit or going, okay, what, is, what does Jesus mean there or what is Scripture 
teach about a particular topic, it's helpful uh, to understand the immediate context of where that passage takes place, maybe the paragraph or the chapter. And then it's helpful to pull back a little bit and to say, are there other places in this book, in this case, are there other places in the Gospel of Matthew that address divorce and remarriage? And then maybe even to pull back even more and to go, what does is, what is God's Word say about this particular topic? And so I want to do that uh, this morning in the next 18 minutes. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to kind of pull back and go, where else in the Bible do we read about divorce and remarriage and what that looks like? And then we're going to go to another passage in Matthew chapter 19 uh, before landing back in Matthew 5. Okay, and we're just going to kind of make some observations along the way. Uh, there are a handful of passages in the Old Testament that speak to divorce and remarriage. Perhaps the most well-known one or the one that scholars will look at uh, the most closely to understand what Scripture taught about divorce and remarriage is found in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 24. Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'm going to read it for you. It's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. This was kind of the Old Testament understanding of a divorce and remarriage, and then we're going to apply it to Jesus' words here in Matthew 5. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24 uh, says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if he then finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house, and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, and uh, the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter man dies, who took her to be his wife, then, the former, then her former husband, who sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord." And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. So I think in the Hebrew, that's one sentence, right? There's, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Uh, but, but what's being described here is that uh, two people, man and woman, have, have been married. And then uh, for, for a reason, we don't know why, the, the man finds uh, some indecency in her, and so he decides to send her on her way. He gives her a certificate of divorce, which would free her or allow her uh, to remarry if she so ch chose. They're explaining this situation. So man and woman, they get married. He gives her a certificate of divorce. She rolls out. She gets remarried. And then the man that she remarries also either finds some indecency in her or he dies a scripture is saying she can't go back uh, to her first husband. Like that's, that's a, that's a no-no. Like she, she's not allowed to do that. Now this was the, one of the primary divorce passages in the Old Testament. And so what happened then and what happened as time went on is people read this passage and they came across that, that phrase in verse 1 where it says, if she finds no favor in his eyes, because he has found some indecency in her. Like people read that and they said, oh, like what does it mean to find some indecency in my wife? Well, if you're a husband uh, who doesn't want to be married to your wife anymore, um, some indecency 
could literally mean anything and everything. Like you, 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 re- you read historical accounts of rabbis trying to define what this actually meant. And if they had a more open view, it could mean anything from if a husband doesn't like his wife's cooking. Peace out. Like, you're not, you're not bringing the chicken. It's dry. Certificate of divorce. But if he, if he looked at his wife after 30 years of marriage and said, listen, when I met you, you were beautiful. Time has not been kind to you. I'm sorry certificate of divorce and he would send her on her way like physical relationship isn't what the man wants it to be he'd ship her off right so 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 that phrase some indecency in her came to mean like any and all reasons right so there was fast forward when jesus rolls up on the scene and he's talking to the crowds in that culture there were two primary camps one camp had what was perceived to be a pretty closed idea of when someone could get a divorce and remarriage and that was for adultery or unfaithfulness if if a partner was unfaithful if they were unwilling to repent if they were running around like you could be like goodbye and that person would be free to marry. But there was a second camp that quite honestly became a little more popular during the day. And that was closer to, to this, like you find some indecency in your wife and you just send her on your way. It, it became th- this idea of you could get a divorce on demand for anything and everything. Um, you can imagine who that favored in a male-dominated culture. Like you're a lady back then, and your marriage falls apart, and your life falls apart. Like you're, not, you're not going to Bank of America and getting an executive job. Like you're, not, you're not going to go to the bank. You're not going to be manager. Some, I mean, life was difficult for you. Right? And so, so men oftentimes would take advantage of this. And so Jesus shows up on the scene uh, in this, this culture that had a low view of marriage and essentially gave men permission to get a divorce for any and every reason. And people start questioning Jesus and saying to him, hey, uh, like Jesus, what are your thoughts about divorce and remarriage? There's a passage in Matthew chapter 19, um, Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders in the day, and the Pharisees were the ones who would interpret the law. They, they would look at the scriptures, and, and they would read a phrase or a passage, and then they would go, well, this is what it means. And so the Pharisees here in this passage uh, come up to Jesus to test him. Uh, It says in verse 1, Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. 
Verse 3, And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Right? Does it sound familiar? Like, can, you, you just, can you just get to a point where you're like, No, I'm done. And Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife? and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Verse 7, Then they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to, he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. So you can imagine his disciples who live in this culture, just very open, divorce, remarriage for any and all reasons. His disciples said, if, if such is the case of a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. But Jesus said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only to those whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have, been made, who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, uh, receive it. Right, Jesus seems in Matthew chapter 19 and in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus seems to be responding to the teaching in the culture that basically said, hey, all bets are off. Um, you can get a divorce and you can get remarried for any and all reasons. Now, people debate this, as you can imagine, because people de debate everything. <laughs> and so people look at these divorce passages in Scripture and they, they see things a little differently. There have been uh, thousands, thousands of books and articles written ab about these very ideas. People are seeking clarity and going, what does Scripture teach? What does Jesus teach? Um, Sometimes when I'm faced with a, a, a wealth of information that I'm, I'm trying to navigate through, you're trying to understand everything that's coming your way, I try to take a step back and I go, based on what's in front of me, what am I confident in? Like, what do I, Maybe I can't answer all the questions, but, but what do I know just from this passage or from these passages? What am I confident in? Well, number one, I'm confident that Scripture has a high view of marriage. At Scripture, God has a high view of marriage. Uh, God's marriage design is for one man and one woman for a lifetime. This is the plain reading of Matthew 5 and particularly Matthew 19. Marriage is a reflection of God's covenant love. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, and when that is broken, when that covenant love is broken, it's not accurately displaying or painting a picture of God's love for his people. Like marriage was created and designed by God to be a reflection of God's love for his church. And you think about God's love for his church, God is faithful uh, to his church even when his church is unfaithful uh, to him. And so in our marriages, if you're here this morning and you are married, your, your marriage has been given to you by God to display uh, the love that Christ has for the church. This is unique to humanity. We've been created 
in the image of God. No one else can say this. And God has given us the ability to live uh, experiencing covenant love in the context of marriage. It's a good thing, and it is a beautiful thing. When we make a commitment uh, to one person, we do so for a lifetime as a way of reflecting uh, God's love uh, for humanity, right? So marriage is a sacred symbol that points to God's nature. But as you know, uh, as we know, we don't always do a great job reflecting uh, God's covenant love, right? This is this reality of life in a broken world. And because of that, uh, Scripture teaches us that Moses, even back in the day, uh, would give a certificate of a divorce to people, right? So we know that much. Scripture has a high view of marriage, and, and we should too, uh, knowing that God dreamed it up and he designed it. Uh, number two, what else do we know uh, for certain? What can we be confident in? Well, we can be confident that Jesus corrects the view of divorce on demand uh, for any reason. That seems to be the, the plain reading of the text, both in Matthew chapter 5 and in Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus was confronted by spiritual leaders and teachers, and they were going like, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? Jesus was saying, hey, God like, intended one man and one woman to marry for, uh, for a lifetime. Like that, that, was, that was God's design. You can imagine as as many things that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, you can imagine how that may have stung uh, the listeners uh, who could hear his voice. Because that was unusual. That was counter-cultural. That wasn't typical in the day. I don't think it's typical in our day either. I know it's a, I know it's a little different, maybe within church or how we talk about it but i mean i i think when you look at like culture as a whole like that teaching would be a little foreign it would be maybe a little odd or a little closed-minded but it seems to be that the teaching that jesus gives to the crowd again in matthew chapter 5 and 19 so what do we know what can we be confident in we can be confident that god has a high view of marriage be pretty confident that Jesus confronts this mentality or mindset in the culture that said, hey, divorce and remarriage for any and all reasons. And, and third, um, we can be confident that Jesus taught that adultery or infidelity was so dangerous to the covenant commitment that a married couple would make to one another that if someone was unfaithful in a marriage relationship, then the, then the victim in that marriage was, was, free, was free to go, implying that they were free to go, and if they wanted to, uh, they could get remarried. Um, that doesn't mean that they were required to. And I, I know good and beautiful stories of people who have walked through the, the pain and the heartache of infidelity and adultery, and they, they didn't leave. They stayed, and they worked through it, and it was hard, right? and it was heartbreaking, and it wasn't easy, but, but they stayed, and, and God did a good work. 
So this isn't saying that someone has to go in that situation, but it is freeing someone to go um, if they desire. Beyond those three observations, there's a whole lot of debate, uh, even within the church. Um, there, there are some in the church, when I say the church, what I mean is just people. Right? The church is full of people. Right? There, there are some people who would hold to a, a stance that says, I think you can get a divorce and get remarried for any and all reasons. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's the best stance. I don't think that that's a biblical stance. I think that's what Jesus was trying to correct in the Gospels. But, but I know some people have that view. There, there are other people who would say you can get a divorce and remarry for cases of adultery or infidelity. And that's it. Like, period. And they, they would look at the Matthew 5 passage, and they would look at Matthew 19, and they would say, listen, Jesus was asked for clarification, and he gave clarification, and, and the one out or the one exception that he gave was, was adultery. And it's, it says it right there in Matthew 5, in Matthew 19, some, some people argue for that. I understand that view. I, I don't personally hold to that view, but I, I think a case can be made. Um, th- there is another view that's widely accepted in the church that's it's a little more broad. And it takes into account the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 19, and says, you know, there, there's an exception clause for adultery, but then they'll look to other passages. There's a passage in Exodus chapter 21 uh, that talks about neglect and abuse, and there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 7 that talks about when, when one person abandons the other, when, when they just leave. And so, so that view is a, a little more broad, but it, it's still not saying that you can get a divorce for, for any and every reason. Um, if, you're, if you're wondering where I fall, I'll tell you, just with a reminder that I was a B-plus student in school. I'll show you my transcripts, right? So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I, I think that third view that, that someone who has been the victim of adultery or infidelity, that someone who has found themselves in an abusive or a neglectful relationship, or someone who has been abandoned by, by a spouse, like they're gone. I think the heart of these scriptures frees that person if they so desire to remarry. Now listen. Like I said before, I know we're not all going to agree. And I know that I'm not doing these other passages uh, service by simply mentioning them in passing and going, hey, this is kind of where I land. However, I think that's a strong biblical stance. Um, But I don't want to end there this morning. Because like I said in the beginning, 
I don't think this conversation is just a conversation that we have like way up here from 30,000 feet that doesn't apply uh, to our lives. I think it applies. Like big time. Like I don't know all of you, but I know you enough uh, to know that many of you, like you've wrestled through this. Like you've wrestled through Like you haven't just talked about it or debated it. You've felt it. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you, you look at the culture around you and you're going, I wish someone would stand up uh, for like the goodness of marriage. I wish someone would stand up and go, one man, one woman for a lifetime. Like, and and you, you desperately want to hear that. Maybe you're here this morning and you have felt the sting of a divorce. And you've, you've experienced guilt or shame or heartache. And, you, and you've even maybe thought, hey, I know what the, the Bible says, but I just want some hope. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you've been through a divorce and you want to know, like, like, is it okay for me to meet someone again? And to fall in love and, and to get married. Like, can, can that be my story? All right, so with that in mind, I, I just want to leave you with three thoughts. Three thoughts. Tuck them away. If they're helpful, like, great. And, and if they're not, um, my apologies. Uh, number one, uh, marriage is a good and beautiful gift uh, from God. A marriage is a good and beautiful gift from God. As, as the people of God, we sh- should look at marriage and hold it in high regard. We should look at, at marriage and our marriages if we're married as something given by God as a gift to us uh, to remind us of His goodness and display His glory. Marriage reflects God's covenant love uh, for His people, and that should stir in our hearts a desire to love the spouse that God has given to us with a ferocious, a good and godly kind of love. Uh, If you are here this morning and you are married, then value your marriage as a gift from the Lord. If you are here this morning and you are remarried, then value your marriage as a gift from God. If you are here this morning and you are unmarried, value marriage as a gift from God. Listen, Jesus was not primarily trying to give people a rule book for every situation so that they might know what they can and cannot do. Like the, the Bible gives us wisdom, but, but Jesus here is trying to hold up um, and connect with the human heart. He's trying to hold up marriage as a good and a beautiful thing 
for a people who didn't see it the same way that he did. And so I want us as a people and as a church family um, to hold high marriage and the beauty of marriage. So marriage is a good and a beautiful gift from God. Uh, Number two, marriage is good, uh, but marriage is not God. Marriage is good, but marriage is not God. Now, why would I say that? Because Matthew 5 doesn't say that, and Matthew chapter 19 doesn't explicitly say that. So why would I make such a statement? I make such a statement... (laughs) Uh, Because I think that it's true. Like marriage is a good thing. It's a good thing. But marriage is not God. Right? And the reason that I I say that is for a number of different reasons. Maybe you're here um, this morning and uh, you feel after reading these passages that God has not freed you to get remarried. And that is devastating news to you. Like, like you, your, your life is not, is not over. Like, like marriage is not the ultimate in life. Marriage is good. Marriage is from God, but marriage is not ultimate. Like when, when we die and we go to be with Jesus in heaven, like guess what? That, that's not when you get a spouse who finally picks up their, their socks uh, finishes all the projects, doesn't leave mail on the counter, right? folds their laundry, right? cooks good food, like fill it, like it doesn't, it doesn't happen. As scripture teaches there's actually not marriage in heaven. Jesus lived the most fulfilling life of any man on the planet, and guess what? He's a single dude. He didn't enjoy the fruit and and the benefits uh, that come with marriage. Didn't have sex. Didn't have kids. He lived a single life. And he was on mission. And he was purposeful. And he lived a good and fulfilling life. There's a kind of a strange couple verses on the back end of the Matthew 19 passage that talks about eunuchs. I'm not going to go into depth this morning about it, but it, that, that passage is painting a picture for people who essentially remain single but are singularly focused on God's kingdom. And, and Scripture says that that's actually a good thing. So sometimes in the church, we, we can hold marriage up in, in such a way that almost looks down upon people if they're not married. Like if, if they're single, there's just this assumption, like, well, you, like, you, I mean, you, you want to you get remarried? Instead of seeing singleness is, is maybe, like just maybe an avenue Uh, to advance the gospel in ways that you never would have been able to if you were married. For for those of you who are married, you've experienced this on some level. Like you 
you have responsibilities that you didn't have when you were single. Like you have challenges that you face that you didn't have when you were single. I'm not like poo-poo in marriage. You want to hold up marriage high. But marriage is a good thing, uh, but it is not a God thing. Lastly, third thought, and I'll close with this. Um, our marital status or history does not define us. Right? It may be part of your story, but it's not all your story. Our marital status history does not define it. Let me personalize it for you. Your marital status and your marital history does not define you. Doesn't, it may be a part of your story, but it is not the whole of your story. And so if you're here this morning, I want you to not just hear that, I want you to feel it. I want you to feel that. If, if you're here this morning and you feel guilt or shame because your story isn't squeaky clean. I want you to know there's, there's grace for you. May, may the grace of God wash over you this morning. Nobody goes into marriage thinking to themselves, I think we could get three to five good years out of this thing. But that's, I've been doing this long enough, and I've never heard that. Never. You have high hopes and aspirations. And then life happens. And it gets messy. Right, so if your story is a little messy, um, there is grace for you. Uh, and if you're here this morning, uh, and you find yourself married. Um, it's a lifelong endeavor. And it's hard. And it's work. But it's good. And it's worth it. And so if you've been married for like six months, or six years, or 16 years, or 36 years, uh, keep at it. Because God has given you in a watching world that relationship uh, to display his goodness and his glory and to demonstrate uh, God's covenant love uh, to a watching world. And so put it on display uh, for the world to see. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for your word to us. Lord, thank you that you encourage us and that you challenge us and that you convict us by and through your word. Lord, I'm fully convinced that each and every person here this morning uh, has, a, has a different story. They have different experiences that they've gone through or that they're going through or that they will go through in the days ahead. I pray that you would um, stir in their hearts a desire and longing to seek you, to wrestle with uh, your word and to submit to how you lead them. God, thanks so much for loving us. We love you back. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.